God, we come before you in the name of Jesus. God, we want to hear you speak to us. This morning, we want to hear you speak to us. Lord, we want to get to know you. We want to have a bigger vision of who you are in our lives. So, Father, we pray that through the preaching of the word, that the Holy Spirit will give us a bigger picture, a grandier picture, a more powerful picture, a more healthy picture of who you are, our God and our Father. Help us, God, to love you. Help us, God, to come into your arms and experience peace, healing, faith, and complete restoration. Be with me, Lord, in this pulpit, and lead me by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, today, I want to talk about God. Amen. And uh, before I do that, I want to uh, share with you a devotion. I had a devotion yesterday before we went to sleep with my kids. And, uh, and I want to share this devotion with you. Uh, this devotion was from Isaiah chapter 66. And then I'll preach. I'll do a devotion and then preach. Okay? And it says, Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne. And the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you build for me? Where will my resting place be? You know, the first part of this verse, wow, blows up my mind. It says, heaven is my throne. So I just imagine the entire heaven being the throne of God. And then God says, the earth is my footstool. That's big. That's mega. I mean, that's a big picture. Now, if the earth is his footstool, come on, how big is his leg? Must be <laughs> very big. Okay? God is big. God is everywhere. God is powerful. God is present in every place. And then that reminded me Isaiah's picture and vision of God in Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah says that he saw in verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high, exalted, seated on the throne, and the trend of his robe Filled the temple. Just the trend. Filled the temple. And above him were selfies. And then you go down, down. And you know in verse uh, 4 it says, At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shock and the temple was filled with smoke. Man, he saw a wonder. When, he, when Isaiah saw God, he saw a wonder. I mean, it was a wonder. It was too big, amazing, a wonder. This morning, at the end of my preaching, if you can only get one thing, like have a, a grandier picture of God. I don't want to even use the word big, 
but a grander picture of God, like a God who is so big, God who is unlimited, God who is great. You know, the challenge we have today as Christians, we get this sense of feeling marginalized and not accepted and not making a difference in our community and what people talk about us. And as a result, our vision and image of God begins to shrink and we don't see our God the way we should see him. And as a result, you know what happens? That grieves our God. He, we grieve him when we don't actually see him the way we are supposed to see him. It's like a grieving the Holy Spirit. And in fact, there are so many ways we grieve the Holy Spirit without even realizing that we are grieving him. Because many times we think we are grieving him when we commit sin. Okay? Visible sin. But not the way we look at him and think about him and perceive him in our lives. So today, I want to talk about... Um, this God who is unlimited. We serve a limitless God. We serve God with no limits. And thank God he is without limits. The rest of us can have limits. Okay, my kids need some limits. Okay, but our God has no limits. But we limit him. And when we limit him, we provoke him. We make him angry. In the book of Psalms, Psalms 78, verse 40 to 43, the Bible says how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God. How can we tempt God? And limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power. The day when he redeemed them from the enemy. When he worked signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zona. They did not remember. Now that really blows my mind away. What is wrong with humanity? What's wrong with us? You know, again and again when I read in scriptures... And find the children of Israel worshipping idols. Substituting this great, limitless, powerful God. This God who delivers and heals and sets captives free and replaces them with idols. I just don't get it. What is wrong with humanity? Why don't we get it that we have a God who is so powerful to the extent that we choose to surrender our lives to the enemy. Surrender our lives to a devil that destroys us. They provoked him. Let me read this verse again. Verse 41. Again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They tempted him and they limited him. They stopped him from operating. They stopped him from working. They did not believe. They did not how did they limit God's power? Now the word limited used by King James version makes sense in that 
Israel diminished their expectations of our unlimited God. They had diminished expectations. They were no longer living a life of expectation. They were not expecting a miracle. They were not expecting healing. They were not expecting provision. They were not expecting redemption. They were not expecting to see God do great things. Thank God for your church. You guys are doing well. Okay? You are really, really doing well. There are churches out there. They've become religious institutions. And they are not expecting God to do anything. But only to die and be buried. And sell their building. In this case, they limited God whenever difficult circumstances came. They did not believe in God, even after God had done so many miracles. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to reflect on your life. Think through all the miracles God has done for you. Think through the miracles. I mean, if I thought about my life and all the miracles God has done in my life, last year, on the 20th of this month, I turned 50. And then, wow, look at my 50 years. I was born premature in 1967 at seven months in Africa. How do you survive in 1967 at seven, born at seven months premature? That's a miracle. Now look at my entire life. It's a miracle. God has done many miracles in my life. How many miracles has God done in your life? Some people don't even think through and comprehend it and even remember the miracles God has done in their lives. They think they are in charge of their lives. They did not remember his miracles. They did not remember the signs and wonders he did in Egypt. Therefore, they limited God's intervention in their lives. They limited God. Let me tell you, God wants to intervene in your life. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God wants to intervene. God is a father. And this father of ours intervenes in our lives. I may not be able to spell out every particular thing God wants to intervene in your life, but I have good news for you. You have a loving God, a powerful God, a God who is unlimited, and this God wants to intervene in all the affairs of your life. He wants to be God. And he wants to be powerful. He wants to be mighty. He wants to be present in your troubles and intervene. And God did that already by sending his son to come die on the cross and intervene in the affairs of our lives. But like old Israel, we too limit him. Many times, you know, deliberately. But we still diminish our expectations of his endless power and work on our behalf. We don't consider him. We consider him less omnipotent than he is. We, we doubt his constant willingness to bless us. I mean, some people just doubt that God will not bless them. We don't remember his power and his miracles. So today, I want to talk about three ways in which we limit God. Okay, there may be many other ways, but I want to just emphasize the three ways in which we limit God. 
Take off limits. Take off all the limits on God. Have a bigger, grandier picture. Really, really big picture, okay? A healthy picture, great picture. Stretch your mind. This morning in church, for the first time, you, no, maybe some of you have done it before, but use your mind. And, and stretch your mind, okay? And use your eyes. And look at God. Okay? You know, as we are worshiping here, talking about his power, I was crying tears. Because um, I was not only singing the song, but I was um, actually visualizing God. That this God is powerful. And we are standing before this powerful God in this room together. We are worshiping him. That really makes me happy. Makes me rejoice. So, number one, how do we limit him? We limit him by being afraid. Fear limits God. Someone said that fear is false evidence appearing to be real. Fear. F, false. E, evidence. A, appearing. R, real. False evidence Appearing real. The devil specializes in giving us false evidences that look real. We fear that God might ask us to do things for him we don't want to do. Many, many, many Westerners, many years used to fear that maybe God may send me to Africa as a missionary. <laughs> and you know, that would be, the, that would be their constant fear in, in mission, uh, uh, conference, uh, missions conferences. So you go to a missions conference and you're so afraid that during this missions conference, God may send you to Africa <laughs> to become a missionary. And someone carries a fear, okay? Fear is a major limitation to our faith. It limits us because we are so afraid to take it another step. What are we afraid of? We are afraid of people. What will people think about me? I remember when I decided to become a pastor and went to Bible college. Dad came to Bible college. And daddy asked me, how much are they going to pay you when you graduate and become a pastor? And I told daddy, I don't know, but God has called me to become a pastor. You know, dad was becoming a fear in my life. Because actually, I could not spell out to him how much I am going to make. In other words, this is a son with no big returns. You know, we get afraid of people. <laughs> we are afraid of what they think about us. Many circumstances make us afraid. What do we see make us afraid? We, we, we fear sets God's power to limitations. So that the power of God actually doesn't work. Because we are so afraid. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, chapter 8, verse 26. But he said to them, why are you fearful? Or you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. 
Look at that verse again. But he said to them, why are you fearful? Why are you fearful of you, you of little faith? Otherwise, their fear was actually supporting the storm. Okay? Their fear was supporting the storm, was encouraging the storm. Fear encourages the storm. It just makes things worse. <laughs> they don't get better. Because fear limits God's power. God cannot work in those circumstances. God works in an environment of faith. Where people are actually reaching out to him like they have a grandier image of who he is. And they think and they have and they know that they have a God who is unlimited. He's not limited by money. He's not limited by my education. He's not limited by my family background. He's not limited by, by, by my nationality. He's not limited by where I come from. He's not limited by the pagani community in which I live. He is a mighty and a great God. He's unlimited. He's powerful. That is the vision of my God. That's who. That's who he is. He's unlimited. Number two, how do we limit God? We limit him by disobedience. Disobedience sets limits on God. Say, Pastor, how do we disobey God? You know, some ways are obvious, but there are so many ways in our lives that are not obvious. Do you know how we limit him? We limit God, we disobey God by choosing to depend on our power instead of depending on the power of the Holy Spirit. God has given us options. You can depend on yourself or you can depend on the Holy Spirit. Let me repeat that. The church can depend on itself or the church can depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a choice. When we came in this morning in this service, we could have made a choice to do our thing. And we can do it well. We can write out our own liturgy and create our own order of how we want to do things. Or we can choose to be a church that depends on the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we depend on the power of the Holy Spirit, we begin to see great things in the house of God. That's why the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, and he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by mighty, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You are going to do it. You are going to build the work. You are going to build the temple. You are going to establish it. Not in your liturgy, but in the liturgy of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Who are you, O great mountain, before the bubble? You shall be a plain, and it shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Grace, grace to it. Making a choice to depend on the Holy Spirit. And I'm learning that. I'm actually learning that. I used to think I know. You know, the more I used to think I know, 
the more I found out I don't know. Okay? I'm learning to depend on the Holy Spirit on a daily basis in my ministry, in my life, in the decisions I make. I found out that the Holy Spirit is wiser than anybody. He is very wise in meetings, like when we do meetings and we can make decisions, we can't make decisions, we have difficulties. Man, I found out that the Holy Spirit, even in a body meeting, he's going to give us a word of wisdom which no other businessman could get in his business knowledge. Because the Holy Spirit gives us that. Number three, not very different from number two, we limit God by unbelief. Unbelief limits God. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 58, and he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Listen to that again. And Jesus did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Jesus had the potential to do mighty works. Jesus had the potential the miracles. God has the potential. But listen, he did not do many mighty works. He did some mighty works. He did some things, but he did not do mighty works there because of their unbelief. That's all. Come on, loosen up. That's all. He did. He wanted to do mighty works there. He didn't. <laughs> they were not believing in him. They did not have faith. And as a result, that's why God did great things. Now, that's what I love about Africa. In Africa, we have two types of people. We have, um, we have great universities in Africa and some very smart people in Africa. But we also have some village people in Africa. Like they never went to high school. They never went to secondary school. They live in the village. They love the Lord. They read their Bible. They don't have a commentary for the Bible. They don't have a, they don't have a dictionary. They don't have, um, they don't have anything added to their Bible. They, that's all they have is their Bible in their language. And if they have a Bible in their local language, that is a miracle. They are so happy they have the word of God. And then we have some smart people who go to school, you see, obviously. Uh, some of them come to Britain and get a good education. They, they really sometimes, those ones struggle more with the spiritual truth than the guys from the village. That's why when you go to the village, you start preaching about miracles. Miracles begin to happen. Because those guys don't have limits on God. They, what they read is all they read. They have no comparison. They have no other scholar who has written on the same verse to kind of counteract their faith. All they read is this verse. And Jesus came in and he healed the sick. Do you want to be healed today? And he says, yeah. And then God heals them. Because they have faith. They believe in him. Their faith is the faith like the faith of a younger child. It is that simple. Oh, I struggle with that. I've been struggling with that. I've been trying back to go back to believe God just like the way I used to believe in him in my early 20s. We expect little and therefore we receive little. We expect little and we receive little. You, you receive what you expect from God. 
Can I repeat that? You receive what you expect from God. You expect little, you receive little. You expect mega, you receive mega. Your life is shaped by your expectations. Your vision, your dream is what limits you. God is not limited by what he can do in your life. You limit him. You decide to put a boundary on him. And only if you can think bigger and greater, he will act bigger and greater in your life because our God has no limits on him. Let me ask you, do you expect God to show up in your prayers, like when you pray? Are you just making a religious prayer, or are you expecting God to show up <laughs> in your prayer? What are you expecting? Do you expect God to show up in church, in church, in the church service? When you come like here today, this morning, leaving your home to come and worship here, do you come with that sense of expectation? Or is it a religious duty? That, you know, we go to church on Sunday and take children to church and take kids to Sunday school. Oh, do you come with a sense of expectation in the house of God, expecting God to do great things? You know, I have learned to come in God's house expecting God to do great things. And let me tell you, God can do great things. He's a God of signs, wonders, and miracles. And I have seen God, actually real God, come over our church pulpit and ministry. It's like God moves in and you see him and the worship leaders see him and people in the church are experiencing him. They are seeing him from the other corner to the other corner. Someone is crying, is having an encounter with God. Someone over there needs help in the middle of the service because God is moving in his life. A kid drops in the other corner and says, come on, what's happening with that younger person? The younger person is experiencing God on a personal level. Someone comes in and says, Pastor, do you see rain is raining over that guy. I say, what are you saying? I said rain is raining over him. Can you see that? And then I go nearby and find out that golden rain is raining over his life. is swimming in the presence of God. Actually, God is in this place. You expect him and he comes in. You expect a miracle and you get the miracle. You expect God is going to touch you. God is going to touch you. You expect the presence of God to be in this place and the presence of God actually is going to be in this place. Why? Because your heart has no limits. Amen. You have no limits. You are believing in this great God and I really believe that that's what the church somehow has lost. This greater expectation of who our God is. So we've kind of put God in our Smaller bottles. Our God is packed. Pre-packed like a pre-packed food. Pre-packed. God is not pre-packed. God is bigger than the oceans. He's bigger than the rivers. He's bigger than anything we can ever think of. So let us see. Take 
a lead on God's power by wanting him to act in our lives the way we want him to. Let us broaden our expectations. Let us expect God to show up in powerful ways. Number four, our unfaithfulness limits God. Just sometimes I just, you know, uh, I started the tithing when I was around 18 years of age. And uh, I used to live in a village church. This village church taught me so many things. My pastor was a simple pastor. Fortunately, he knew how to speak English. But he was a simple man. I think he had like a maybe grade nine education. Uh, he was a simple guy and he loved Jesus. He taught us so many things. And one of the things my pastor taught me was to have faith in God. I will never forget that. If I ever learned faith from anywhere, it's not from a book. It's from that man called Francis Bukenya. It's a Ugandan pastor. And this pastor taught me how to tithe. Around 1819, we tithed. Do you know what we tithed? I used to keep chicken. So I would count my eggs. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then egg number 10, take it to church. And then people would count their bananas. <laughs> we had no money. And then they would count all these bananas and carry them to church. Let me tell you, God is faithful. I'm an African person. I come from a poor background. But let me tell you, I have seen the faithfulness of God. I have seen the faithfulness of God in my life. Because if we put our faith in him, we actually, actually our God is faithful. Let me tell you something. One of the ways which is part of what I'm going to read here, we limit God is by failing to power tithe. I didn't intend to preach about money this morning, but in most churches, it's 10 to 20% of the congregation that gives a tithe to God. And I've come to learn that tithing, to me, is not just an Old Testament teaching, it's an act of faith. When on the top, take a tithe to God, when I badly need it, it just shows to God, God, I believe in you. And I believe that you can do greater things and provide for all of my needs. My tithe is a statement to God that God, you are the provider. That's all. That's the statement of my tithe. When I tithe, I'm not just acting legalistically. I'm just saying, God, you are the provider. I believe in you. I believe in you that you're going to meet my needs. I know the 90 may not be enough for my rent, may not be enough for my food, may not be enough for my tuition, but God, I believe in you. And I believe that you are my provider. I believe that you are going to meet my needs. Hello. I believe you are going to meet my needs. I remember when I was a student in America. Man, those schools are expensive. $20,000 a year. An African student going to an African, an American university. And then I would finish all the money. Then I say, give my tithe back to Africa. 
and I would help my church, some of the people there, and, and send it back. You know what happened? Sometimes I would go back to my mailbox, open my box, and I'll find a check. A check, you know, there are some checks you can buy from a banker, and they don't show who gave you the check. Then I went in, and you find out there is a check from the bank. I mean, and I don't know who gave me the check, but I have money. God provided the money. Then next day, you find food on your, on your door, and you wonder who brought in the food here. And then on the other day, you say, I'm going back to Africa to preach. I'll just go alone. I'll leave my wife. And someone says, no, I'll pay for your wife and your kids to go with you. God is the provider. He provides for you. On my graduation day, I had eight or $900 back from the school. God had provided far much beyond what I needed for that season. He's unlimited. Even for the African people who live in poor countries, God is unlimited because the blessing of God is not determined by your location. It's not determined by your location. No. It's God who blesses you. And the blessing comes from heaven. Because it comes from heaven, it can drop on any continent of the world. That's why he says in Marakai, chapter 3, verse 6 to 8, and he says, I am the Lord. And I don't change. Did you know that? Just leave the rest of the verse. And just keep on with that. I am the Lord. And I do not change. That is the God we serve. He is God, and he doesn't change. Baptists change, he doesn't change. Anglicans change, he doesn't change. Pentecostals change, he doesn't change. The brethren change, he doesn't change. The European Union changes, he doesn't change. England changes, he doesn't change. Trump changes, God doesn't change. Obama changes, God doesn't change. Only God does not change. He is dependable. His constitution lasts forever and it doesn't need a revision. God does not review his covenancy. They stand forever because he is a faithful God. It's only me who turns up to be unfaithful from one time to another. Only if I can learn to be faithful unto him and trust him in my life. If only I can teach my children to put their faith in God. That is the best university degree you can ever leave your children with. Because when you teach your children to trust in God, it means you have provided an inheritance for them for the rest of their lives. An inheritance which cannot be burnt by fire, an inheritance that cannot be disturbed by a financial crisis, an investment that is not messed up by the rising and the falling of stocks because God does not change. He says, I am the Lord and I do not change. He doesn't change. Friends, God doesn't change. Everything changes. Curriculums change. Science changes. Woo! Things change. Banks change. But our God never changes.
That's the God I'm talking about. He's unlimited. So you want to learn to anchor your life in the life and in the hands of God. And when you do that, come on, you are going to be established. You are going to be immovable, unshakable. You are going to be stronger. It does not matter what kind of winds come your way. You are on a rock. And that rock is Jesus Christ. You are immovable. That is our God. Let's get him. Let's get him. Let's capture the vision. Let's capture the narrative of God over us. Let's get it. Let's have faith. Let's move on. Let's get a bigger picture of this unlimited God we serve. Obviously, you can read the rest of the verses for you from 7 to to. To wait yet the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances, you see, and I've not kept them. God says, return to me, and I'll return to you. You know, this verse is not just about tithing. No, it's about returning to God. It's about returning to God. Many times when you talk about tithing, people think we're looking for money. We are asking you to return to God. That's all, Okay. Says, return to him. Verse 8 says, Will a man rob God? <laughs> Yet you've robbed me. You are faithful. You're a robber. Okay. <laughs> You're a robber. <laughs> you, you, but you say, In what ways have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You've robbed me. Then the number five. How do we limit God? Our insincerity limits God. You know, uh, the whole idea of being sincere Christians. Walking the talk. Okay? You, you, what you say is actually what you are. You are not just speaking Ulukuri style. In Uganda, we used to have a word called urukuristayo. Urukuristayo meant speaking the Christian language. Especially for some of us who have been in the church for a long time. We can learn to speak Christian jargon, Christian language. And when we, I, and I hear that Christian language all the time on televisions with the preachers, with the people who have been Christians for a long time. I'm sorry for you who have just become Christians. Uh, and I shouldn't be sorry for you, but you are in a good position because you haven't carried as much baggage over the Christian language some of us carry. When people say, I praise the Lord, and they actually not praising the Lord, okay? When people say, I love you, Lord, and they are actually not loving him, they are doing something else. That is insincerity. We say one thing with our mouth, and we think of something else in our hearts. We do something consistently different from what we say. Psalms 78, 37 says, Their heart was not steadfast towards him. They were not faithful to his covenant. 
their hearts were not steadfast towards him. This teaches us that we flatter God with our mouth and lie and lie to him with our tongues. Their heart was not right, neither steadfast in God's covenant. Are you doing God's work today? Are you doing God's will today? Are you saying one thing with your mouth and doing something else? Is your heart right with God today? Are you serving him? Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? You know, when you come to Rwanda and ask people, are you a Christian? Everybody says I'm a Christian. 90% over. Everybody says they never come to Africa and ask African people that you're, whether they're Christians. Because everybody's going to say I'm a Christian. But are you a Christian? Are you really a Christian? Are you a Christ follower? Are you loving on Jesus? Or are you just a Christian friend? Like you're a friend of Christians, but you're not actually a Christian. That is sincerity. Let us stand up on our feet. Let's get our worship leaders back. Let us examine our lives. And let us think through our greater picture of God. Who is your God? Who is your God? Is your God your job? Is your God your education? Is your God your nationality? Is your God your money? Who is your God? Who solves your problems? Who solves your problems? I'm not saying it's bad to have money in your pocket. But we don't rely on that. We serve and we trust a God who is unlimited. And today, that God can touch your life. He can heal you from all your diseases and infirmities. It doesn't matter what kind of disease you have. It doesn't matter what kind of trouble you've walked in. He can walk you out. And if you're out there and you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior, God is trustable. He never disappoints. He's trustable. You are there wondering, can I really be a Christian? Can I really trust God? Is God out there? Is God alive? Is God not dead? It really Christ died on the cross. He really died on the cross and he died for your sins. Just test him and see. And you never regret making that kind of decision to follow Jesus. So if you're out there and you don't know Jesus, see, here is an African man calling you to believe in Jesus. And to follow him and to love him because that Jesus is the same. He was the same for the CMSC Church Missionary Society uh, coming to Africa. He is still the same in Africa. He is the same here. God has not diminished his power, his presence, his love for humanity. We've lost it. And God is reaching out to call you and me to come back to him and serve him and follow him and be saved and be Christians. Especially for you who are not Christians. Like, yeah, you know for sure you're not yet a Christian. God is calling you out today. Don't go back uh, the same. Surrender your life to him and be saved. Your life will never be the same. Let's pray.
God, we come before you. God, I'm excited about you. I'm excited about you. God, I'm so excited that I get loud about you. Because, God, I'm excited about you. God, I thank you because you are in this entire place. You are in the heart of everybody seated here listening to your word. God, you say that your word will never come back avoid without accomplishing what you send it to do. God, I pray this morning in the name of Jesus Christ that there will be a new rebirth in someone's life in this place. Fathers, they surrender to you that Jesus, you will come in their lives and save them. Father, I also want to pray that if there's anybody sick, if you're experiencing any form of pain in your body, I want to encourage you to touch where you feel the pain and the illness. And in the name of Jesus Christ, may the power of God come your way. That power which is unlimited, may that power come your way right now in the name of Jesus Christ and put you in God's private spiritual theater and operate you and take away the disease in the name of Jesus Christ and take away the pain in the name of Jesus Christ right now as I pray may the power of God move towards you your way in your life struck you from your head to your toe in the name of Jesus Christ and bring a miracle to you in the name of Jesus the name of Jesus